I always, I, th I appreciate what Randy said right there because it is a little bit awkward just as being the pastor and, and the moment when they receive a pastor appreciation offering, but nobody is more aware of the legalities behind it than me because I do not look good in orange and flip-flops. <laughs> and so I do not want you to see me on the side of the road or going to visit me anywhere. And so the, the IRS does allow for, and, and, but I'm at the age in my life where I'm concerned not about me, I'm concerned about just the, the church as a whole, pastors. It is a good thing to honor pastoral ministry. It is. God has given gifts to men, and one of those is pastoral ministry. And they do allow for, uh, in that moment, because the, uh, to, to receive an offer. It's not really an offering, because the church does not facilitate it. If the church facilitates it, then in essence, that becomes an offering. So, But it doesn't pass through the hands of the church. That's why Randy is explaining that to you the way that he does. And, uh, and I'm only saying that to you just for the sole purpose, the sole purpose of anybody that questions the legalities of it, because I, I guarantee you, nobody here on this staff, especially me at the very beginning, wants to see anything done that's outside of the proper orders of the IRS, because your president has licensed a lot more IRS agents and, uh, and, and armed them to come see you, but not me. So, but don't get me going on that right there today. That wasn't in the notes. But just, it's a, it's a day, though, and I appreciate it because, meaning, like, I've, I've watched churches over the last month, and it's just a good thing. The time in, we lit, in which we live, it just, it behooves every person to be on, uh, you know, a part of a church family, be connected to pastors, right? Have covering, have shepherding in your life, have encouragers, have those that pray for you. And uh, so I thank God that we have an opportunity to honor those that are that, that shepherd among us. I do have a couple of us, other additional announcements that I would like to make, first of all. And there's still sign-ups in the foyer for the, the infamous kitchen team. And the kitchen team's going to uh, receive a call from Pastor Brown this week to try to organize a little bit of our Pastor Appreciation Potluck Dinner Fellowship that we're going to have. We are excited to be able to share that fellowship meal together. And we want to encourage everybody to bring a dish to share. We'll set up as many chairs as we can. Uh, we're going to do that this week because the fellowship means a lot. That's when you can get to know somebody. That's when you can sit across from the table and just say, man, I, I appreciate you being a part of our church family. And friendships get formed. Uh, uh, covenants get, uh, get made in those moments. So we, we want you to participate. There's still a sign-up, and that's for a kitchen team. But also there's still sign-up out in the foyer for meal prep for special needs. And I've been telling you about that the latter two or three weeks. We're just trying to get in a list of people that when we have a situation that comes up, whether it be someone that's lost a loved one or someone that's hospitalized for a period of time, and we need to try to come alongside and assist those families, um, we would just like to know the names of uh, those that can help along the way. And those signups are in the foyer. And I got one last thing along that way just real quickly. As I mentioned to you last week about, you know, we're, we're on the edge of voting in a very important election. And with this, uh, there's a couple of amendments that are on the, uh, the, the, the docket for the, uh, or the ballot, I should say, for Arkansas. And there are two uh, in that often people have questions about. So the Arkansas Family Council, I don't know if I sent for these or they just sent them. I mentioned to you last week, and I'd made copies of some of those last week, but these came in the mail this past week, and this is the Arkansas Family Council. I'm not telling you you have to vote the way the Arkansas Family Council instructs you to do so, but this is the convictions of the Arkansas Family Council on Amendment 3 and Amendment 4. 
So these are going to be in the foyer. Dylan has volunteered on the front of the ro uh, front of the church right there, and he'll put them out there if he would uh, by the end of the service, so that you can grab one and uh, just take it. Again, if you have any questions, um, I, some of it's a little bit murky, but let me mention just real quickly Amendment Three because we were at a a gathering last night, and I had an opportunity. We were able to uh, to ask our state representative about Amendment Three. Amendment Three deals with religious freedom, how that the Arkansas state constitution, um, has, an amendment is being placed that, that kind of solidifies some of your, your religious freedoms. Now, some of these were, were coming as uh, the, the state rep told us that it came in response to kind of what happened during COVID when some people had genuine religious convictions about taking the, the vaccine. And that, that almost none of those, those allowances were allowed for, those exemptions, because there was nothing really solidifying that conviction. And so that's kind of what Amendment 3 and why it came about. Now, there's been a lot of water under the bridge since then. And, uh, you know, there, there, is a, there is a drawback to it a little bit as well. Because, per example, the, the, the state rep made note of this. It speaks about your deeply held religious beliefs and the government not infringing upon those. However, when you take, take Islam, and he mentioned this, uh, genital, genital mutilation um, is a part of some segments of the Islamic culture, and that can be a deeply held religious position as well. And you don't, we're not necessarily wanting to protect that. Are you out there today? So the point he was making is it will solidify certain positions, but it also make other things a little bit more challenging as well. So be aware of it. Make some phone calls if you need. I know that I'm not giving you a lot of information. I just want you to know the Arkansas Family Council was originally against it uh, because they didn't believe that the wording was not quite right, but they have since changed, and now the Arkansas Family Council recommends to Christians to support Amendment 3. But you read that for yourself. You make your own convictions, right? You make your own decisions, correct? Are you out there today? Amen? I sure appreciate you being in service with us. I feel so honored to share the Word of God with you today. I really believe the Lord has given me clear direction for today. I want to ask you to turn to one verse of Scripture uh, with me, and that is in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. And as you find it in the Word of God, if you don't find it in the Word, it is on the screen in front of you. I want to ask you to stand up with me just for this reading of one verse of Scripture. Now, we're going to read a few additional verses a little bit later here today, but this is the one that we're going to extract our initial context from. Randy, before you disappear, would you hand me my water bottle, please, off the front row? 1 Corinthians 4, and it is verse number 14. You probably already read it as I've been speaking. It says, I write not these things to shame you. But as my beloved sons, I'll warn you. So let's just read it and let it set in for just a moment. It says, I write not these things to shame you, says Paul to the Corinthians, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. And so with that in mind, that's creating the context for me today, the backdrop of my conviction that I'm going to be sharing with you. And this is my, the title of my message for you today. It's a warning from the pastor. So let's pray and let's ask the Lord. I told you on the phone tree, it's not political in any context today, but it is spiritual, and uh, that will become clear here in a few minutes. So let's pray. How many of you are willing to pray and ask the Lord to help us today? Father, I feel so honored 
to be amongst this group of men and women that we call family, our church family today. We share life together, relationships, friendships, God, ups and downs, highs and lows. We share many similar convictions, God, but not all exact. Father, obviously my intent is to not make carbon copies of my own personal convictions today. But from the position that Paul took when he writes to the Corinthians, I speak to my church family today a warning. A warning. Whatever you put in my heart, let the people have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Now let me take it just for a moment. Now this context that begins here as you're seated is Paul using his position as an apostolic father to give words of warning to the Corinthians. If I had taken you down into the next verse of Scripture, he spoke in that verse about, he said, you have a lot of instructors. There's a lot of teachers that can teach you biblical principles. But he said, but I've fathered you in the Lord. And so, obviously, I've not necessarily begotten or I've not been the person that maybe led the multitude of this church family to the Lord. Some I have, not all, certainly not all. But when you, when, you, when you mature and you grow in your faith as a pastor, you kind of transition into that spiritual father, to a, a place where, in a position and a mindset where, where your greatest concern is the spiritual development of the sons and the daughters that God has given you responsibility. And sometimes you use that. You don't exert it in a, man, a, a manipulative way. You use it but from a position of trust. Right? From a, a hope and a position of trust. And so, the word warn here, just real quickly, just simply means to put in mind. Now, I know when we think of warning, warning can be, uh, it can be, I, I could warn you about a lot of things, and I know that I can be, I could be up on this platform today screaming like a madman, which I've known to do in the past. But, but really, that particular word warn in the original language simply means to caution and to, or to reprove gently. And that's really what's in my heart here today. I love what Paul said. He said, what I'm about to tell you, he said, I'm not saying this to shame you. I'm not trying to belittle anybody. I'm not trying to, you know, ostracize anybody and, and move you to the edge. He said, I'm simply writing this to you to warn you based upon a biblical conviction. So now I want to take you to and start to head into something. So 1 John chapter 2. Now we're not going to, this is not going to disclose my hand as of yet. Of where I'm going with this. First John 2 is another passage that I want to draw from for a moment of time. In verse number 18, 18 and 19 again. Little children, it is the last time. Now remember, John is writing this 2,000 years ago. So obviously there's a conviction in his spirit about the generation in which he lives. And he's speaking about Antichrist that shall come. He said that Antichrist shall come. Now, it's not an individual antichrist, but because he, he goes farther. It is even now there are many, and I'm not preaching about the antichrist or antichrist or eschatology today. I'm using something. I'm using this as a lead-in. He said, whereby we know that it is the last time. In essence, he said, the word anti there simply means oppose Christ, to oppose Christ. He said that even now in John's generation, there are many that oppose Christ. And therefore, we know it's the last time, he says. Now, notice where they originated from. He said, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. So sometimes it's important about your 
you, you know, who you connect with. How many believe that today? That, that a like-mindedness, we share values. Now, again, we don't measure ourselves against each other because we're all on a journey, a growing journey, right? A maturing journey. But still, it's important about our spiritual connections. They went out that they might be met, and by leaving, he's in essence saying, it, it, it's indicative of the fact that they were not of us because if they were of us, they would have stayed or abode with us. And so then in verses, I'm going to jump down a little bit farther to two verses. So here, he, he goes back to the spirit of Antichrist. And he says, now these things I have written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Other translations might say deceive you there. So he's talking again about those that are under the spirit of Antichrist, that oppose Christ, and that seek to seduce or deceive the church. And he said, here's going to be the means in which that you can... You can um, you can recognize the seduction or the deception. Verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. And you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and it is no lie. Even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. Now in that context here, he's talking about the spirit of Antichrist as it relates to denying the Father, if you deny the Son, you deny the Father. So he's speaking from that, in that context. As a matter of fact, John's the one that said that if you have or possess the Son, then you've got the Father as well. People attempt to worship God, but don't want to go through the Son. Unknowingly, they're a part of the spirit of Antichrist. Is what is, that's pretty much the context here. But for you and I today, what I'm trying to use, I'm using this just kind of as, as a little bit of a catalyst and just kind of as a tool for us. I can take away from this text that the enemy or the adversary is a seducer. And he will use whatever means necessary to get a stronghold to deceive you. And that seduction, that word seduce there means to cause you to go astray. As subtle or as slight as it might seem to cause you to go astray. So therefore, it is imperative for us to have an anointing in our life. It's imperative to have, and there's a twofold anointing. Jace was ministering on this the other night. There's the anointing upon, but there's also the anointing within. And so, it, it really, the ideal scenario is to have both. To possess an anointing from within, a conviction that the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, but also be anointed to speak the word of truth that God's put in your heart. So in essence here, I think therefore that you and I can kind of conclude that we need divine revelation from the Father by the Spirit. And so let me go ahead and go one farther on this today. To withstand the spirit of Antichrist and to discern the adversary's plot or schemes, spirit-filled people have an advantage. We have an advantage because the Spirit of God has given us an anointing. That's what John is referring to. He's saying if you have the anointing of God in your life, the Spirit of Antichrist is still present. He's still a deceiver. He's still attempting to deceive. But rather, at, at the same time, the Spirit of God within you allows you to see things that others may not see. Even within the context of the church. You can be in the church and not have the anointing. That's why we're a church that encourages you to get the anointing on your life. 
Pastor, I don't even know what anointing means. It means to be smeared with oil, but we're not talking about the oil that we put on your head. We're talking about his oil, his anointing that God will put upon you when you seek him diligently for it. I know the scripture says, how much more shall the, the, the Father give the Spirit to those that ask him? There are a lot of churches that they don't pursue God's presence. They don't pursue the anointing of God. They don't pursue discernment, but we do. Now listen, church family, you and I have an enemy. We have an adversary that we typically call the devil. I'm going to share with you in a moment kind of my take in just a second, but Scripture says that he is the God of this world, little g. He's known as the prince of the power of the air. He's known as uh, the prince of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Scripturally, he's known as the prince of this world. He's called Satan, the devil, devils, or angels that left their habitation. Jesus told Peter, just using just a little bit of Scripture to validate this principle, Satan hath desired to have you. Have you ever thought he's desired to have you as well? What about what Paul said? Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, you can be well-intentioned and be ignorant of his devices. Now, that's going to be made clear in a moment. Paul said this also. Paul said this. An apostolic father said Satan hindered us. If Satan can hinder an apostolic father who saw the Lord face to face, then the adversary can hinder you. Paul spoke of the enemy buffeting them. Scripture says the devil has this. Listen, wiles, plans, and schemes. Jesus said the enemy is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And you and I are encouraged by the writer James that we are to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now let me say that again. Often we get it totally out of order. Often we attempt to resist the devil without submitting to God. Listen, when you submit to God, that's when you begin to pursue his presence and his will for your life. When I submit to God, I become emboldened and empowered to then resist the adversary, and he will flee from you. You believe that today. I'm going to be honest. I don't like to glorify the devil. I don't like to talk. I'd much rather talk about Jesus and my relationship with the Father. I have to admit, if you're not careful, you can become affixed with the enemy or the adversary. And what I, but I've learned not to judge people of that because, listen, typically it's a sign of growth. Earlier in that chapter, 1 John 2, is what I call the model of Christian growth. Actually, I have two pages of notes I intended to preach about that, perhaps even this Sunday, but my heart went a different direction. Because John there speaks about three levels of Christian growth. Little children that he distinguishes by those who begin to know that their sins are forgiven. That's the first level of Christian growth. When you realize through Christ your sins are forgiven, it's liberating. It's freeing. You don't walk around in guilt or condemnation because he that the Son sets free is free indeed. Then he said, I've written unto you young men. He said, you are strong and the word of God abides in you and, and that you overcome the enemy. That, I believe, is the second level of Christian growth where we're learning to overcome our adversary, the devil. 
But then you can mature, and it doesn't mean that you're not net recognizing the enemy. It's just that, that your eyes aren't always affixed on him. It says, but then I've written unto you fathers who have known him from the beginning. I can be honest that the majority of my prayer and communion with God is not about rebuking the devil and pulling down strongholds, but it's about I want to know the Father. I want to walk in his wisdom. I want to be, I want to be complete in Christ. And because I believe that if, if I can walk in that, then the enemy can find no stronghold in me. Now, I'm not saying I don't pull down strongholds and imaginations and rebuke the devil and repent of my own transgressions. Obviously, I do. I just don't want to be affixed with that. But... At the same time, I don't want to be ignorant of the devil's devices. And I don't want to fail in my pastoral responsibility to teach you, listen to this, from a position of a spiritual father. To gently warn you. Not to shame anybody. Not to falsely accuse anybody. But to cause you, if to maybe, maybe help you see what I see. How many believe that that's part of your Christian growth as a person? As a parent, as a spiritual parent, if I would, John said this, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of those who believe not. John said again, the whole world lieth in darkness and in wickedness. And so I, I, I want to show you some things today. I want to I I begin to narrow this in for a moment of time. Here should be a common goal. A common goal held within the Christian community should be to, to really to do what God spoke to Paul about. And, and I don't know if we fully understand this, uh, the scripture that we're going to read, if you don't keep it in its right context, of the Gentile communities. Because I'm going to do my best to illuminate that for you here today or elaborate on it. Here's, this is Paul preaching in, in, in uh, Acts chapter number 26 when he is at Caesarea, he's been at Maritime, Caesarea Maritime. He's been held there for over two years. And now he's got an opportunity to preach to King Agrippa. King Agrippa has come down, and there's Festus is present, and also King Agrippa. And Paul is pouring out his testimony at, before these men. And in Acts chapter 26, verse number 18, he spoke about what God told him about his ministry, about what Christ. Christ said, remember when he appeared to Saul on the Damascus Road, and later he came to him by divine revelation? Here was his ministry mandate. His ministry mandate, but now remember, I didn't put this up here, but he said it's to send you to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles simply mean other nations that are not of Jewish lineage. So all nations apart from Jewish lineage. Why the distinction? Because the Jewish people had a covenant with God. Are you out there today? So, so real quickly, he said, I'm going to send you to help open their eyes. How many of you know God's got to open your eyes to turn us from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. And most importantly, that we might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance by faith of those that are sanctified through their faith that's in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying concerning the Gentiles, he's got a mandate as a, as a, 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 a believer, anointed apostolic father of Jewish lineage, that he's going to be sent to the Gentiles who are under the control of demonic spirits. And he said, and God's going to use me. And he's testifying of how God has used him to help open their eyes. And I believe that should be the mission of all of us. That once you're saved and born again, God's called you now. As you've been brought out of darkness, God's calling through you now to help lead others out of darkness. Are you here today? So listen very carefully. Those who are anointed 
who have an unction that we read about earlier, those whom God has given understanding, we have responsibility to teach and to warn and to instruct people concerning the wiles of the devil. The seduction of the adversary. Paul and John uses the word to seduce. Paul is warning the Corinthians paternally. They were his sons. He's gently warning them, not shaming them. Let me take you to another verse of Scripture here. Ephesians 4 and 27. If you don't know it, you need to know it. It says, neither give place to the devil. You need to know that. Now, what does that mean, and how does that accomplish? How do we give place to the devil? What does give place mean? Give opportunity. Remember, your roaring lion, the Bible, the Bible says your adversary is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Jesus said, the prince of this world cometh, and he finds nothing in me. What does that mean? He comes to search for an access point to your life, to lead you into seduction. He's a deceiver, to deceive you, to get a stronghold, so that he can begin to manipulate you, your mind, and, and your faith, and your family. Come on, because his intent is to steal, kill, and to destroy, right? And so we give, we're instructed by Paul here to neither give place to the devil. Well, now, I always believe that if we're going to understand its application, you first keep it in its main context. The main context is what I preached about last week. The initial context to this passage is about anger, resentment, and bitterness. Because if you're angry and you sin, by abiding and dwelling on that anger, it's not, it's not sin to, to be angry. We've all been angry. Jesus was angry at times. Right? But when you begin to dwell on it, and Paul kept it in context, especially relationally with people that, you, that we genuinely care about. But the adversary, if we begin to be angry one to the other, he, said, he then began to speak how that leads to resentment and then to bitterness, which I spoke of last week, which is unforgiveness. Those things can allow the enemy or give the enemy place in your life. Everybody agrees with that today? Right? It's pretty obvious to the common and casual observer. But, but, but that's certainly not the only way. That's not the only door the devil goes through. Are you here today? Can I be honest? Can I say this? How about interaction with the occult? What about horoscopes? Fortune telling? Tarot cards? Today's generation, Ouija boards? Let's go farther. How about media? Movies and television? Books and magazines, internet, music, all are mediums in which a devil will travel. Just be, let me just be honest. Did you know the word media is simply the plural form of medium? Now, the King James Bible doesn't use the word medium, but the New King James does. The word medium is actually in the New King James Version, meaning a soothsayer. And it's defined, media is defined as communication channels through which we d disseminate news, Music, movies, education, promotional messages, and other data. And let me tell you, just as quickly as an adversary will travel through a tarot card reading, he will travel through what you're jamming on. Come on now. And you've got to be guarded, or especially what you're putting in front of your eyes. I can clearly say 
I've seen it in families. I've seen it any time that maybe I made a poor decision and watched something uh, that, that my spirit was grieved and I overrode that conviction because I was in the, in, in the carnal uh, mindset. But I can honestly say that there, there are things that are produced today that watching movies that are filled with violent, horrific mutilations and including demonic-inspired witchcraft, etc., will certainly allow the enemy an access point in your life. It's a medium. Just as if you snuck down to the circus and you found a little tent where Madam so-and-so caught you when you were walking by and she, said, and she whispered and said, come in here, let me see your palm. And you, just, and you looked around to make sure that Jace wasn't, or Jojo wasn't around and that you could slip in there and you slipped in there and you put her hand in her hand, your hand in her hand, and she's got her crystal ball, and she's beginning to look, and she's looking down at those tarot cards, and she's beginning, just as you know, you know, you know that the enemy can use that to get a stronghold in your life, right? Well, let me tell you, the same thing can happen with the tool of media. It's a medium, and the, the darkness of the medium of the media is unprecedented in our generation. Back in days gone by, you used to have to go to get that. You can stay right at home. You can be sitting here under the sound of my voice by virtue of an iPhone, and I can think you're nodding, and you can be over here dialoguing with Madam So-and-so right here, right here in this sanctuary. That's the, that's the, 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 complex, uh, the, the, the challenge, I should say, of the generation in which we live in. So most Christians, even those that aren't spirit-filled, agree to this to some degree, Right? Now, remember, spirit-filled believers, in my personal opinion, you have an edge. You have an edge. You have an anointing to see things that others may not see. So what do I want to talk to you about today? What about Halloween? What about Halloween? Now, before some of you start to turn me off, remember now, let me say this. This is not frantic warning. This is gentle warning from the heart of a spiritual father. That's all it's about today. We all have to grow. And it takes his illumination. But God forbid that I don't share with you what I know. Right? If I, if I, if I can't share with you this conviction, then why am I in this position? Right? If I don't use it to influence you in some way. So is it possible? Is it possible? Listen to my question very carefully. Is it possible that dressing your child up in some frightening costume can give place to the devil? I'm going to answer affirmatively. I actually wrote it this way. Absolutely, it can. I'm not saying it does every time. I'm saying the possibility exists. Let me go a little bit farther. Let me be more careful and in more detail answer that question. I, I recognize from a biblical now listen, this is where it's going to get difficult for me for a moment because I know we wrestle against different convictions. We all have different convictions. When you study the scriptures as closely as I have and others that are in ministry, we know that there are some things that are not spoken of directly in scripture. And so there, there is a little bit, there's a little bit of area where we have to just, we have to respect other people's convictions, right? And I recognize that. There's not a direct scripture saying don't dress up on October 31st. 
right? And I understand that Scripture teaches me about personal responsibility and making our own responsible decisions. My favorite line to my sons, my three sons, is this. You could call them up today, and they would say, well, this is one of the favorite lines that my dad has for me. You're a grown man. You have to make your own mind up. Right? I believe in that. I don't believe in my conviction, but, but at the same time, I hope from a position of a father that I've influenced you with a conviction that's true to the Word of God. So I understand conscious decisions about holy day, I, but I want to say this today. What, what it has become, I don't know if it was ever intended to be a holy day. Did y'all know holiday simply means holy day? Did y'all know that? Holiday simply means holy day. There's a lot of things we do in the American culture in the Western world that we call it a holiday, but it's not a holy day. Are y'all out there today? But here's my concern. Listen to this. So I, I wrote it this way. The day of hallowed eve grows even darker in the darkened culture in which we live. That's the danger of it. This generation has no biblical convictions nor spiritual boundaries. That's the danger. It perhaps has always been dangerous to a degree, but it's grown more dangerous because the culture has become so seduced today by the adversary through the tool of the media. Did you know Halloween has become the second most popular holiday only to Christmas? Now, I know, and I'm going to say it again, what may have been almost, I don't say it was complete innocence, but almost innocent three to four decades ago is now quickly becoming a habitation of devils. Now, I'm not here, again, to necessarily look back to Hallow's Eve, Hallow's Eve's origin or, or when it originated because that's, that's hotly debated. I've looked it up in the past and studied it, whether it originated in Catholic Catholicism or paganism. Ultimately, it became a measure of both. But here's the reality. It began with praying for the dead or communicating with the dead. And there's a question about that. Why, why would we oppose that? Well, if you'll stay with me today, I'll share with you a little bit. The church has sought to be a deterrent at times. And I, and I respect the church for that. I respect. We, we were hoping to give children a safer alternative, right? Because there's a lot of weirdos in today's time. And there's a lot of people who want to harm children. And so churches still have trunk or treats and harvest festivals, and we have taken place, those, we have hosted those many times for many years. And again, I'm not here to shame anybody that's continuing to do so, and I can't say that at some point in time that might would surface again. I don't know, but I will say this, is that we've arrived at a place where we have lost our ability to be a deterrent. We simply were fostering just another, we just simply became another stopping point. You know, back when I was pastoring in the early days up there in Shirley, you know, I was, I'm a father of six children. I'm trying to figure all this out. I'm growing, and, and I don't want to give place to the devil, but I don't want to, you know, uh, you know children. And I understand. I, listen, I, I can write the book if I want to on being a parent. I haven't, but I could. So I know, I know the pressures that every parent feels when little Susie or little Johnny or this and, and want to pretend. I understand all of those things. And I remember when I was at, at Shirley, we tried to keep ours confined and contained, and we were doing dress up. And, and so we were, our dress up was on Bible characters and everything, and, and it was contained a little bit, but then it got bigger. And then by the time I became the pastor down here at First Assembly, it was open to the public, and we just kind of went with the flow. And there was a part of it that was always fun. There was some dress up. Obviously, two or three times, Pastor Brown should have won the award for the best 
dress up. Obviously, that's true. I understand all that. But there's a moment now in the, deep, the, the darkened culture that we're living in today that i got to ask myself some hard questions. Halloween is no longer a day. It's a week-long event with school emphasis, fright nights, harvest festivals, boo in the park. And here's the reality is this. Many well-intentioned people organize, and many good, godly people with, with Christian principles participate. And again, I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm here today as a pastor to say this. If you have a medical need, go to the doctor. If your car's broke down, go to the mechanic. If you have a legal need, go to a lawyer. But if you want to know about spiritual issues, how about going to a man or a woman of God, anointed of the Spirit of God, and ask them about these questions. Ask them after somebody spent 30 years walking and praying and searching the Word and saying, God, help me to be able to resist the devil and give him no place in my life so that I can stand with the conviction because when you give the devil place there will come a moment when you're going to need to rebuke him and he's going to be deeper rooted and that battle's going to be greater so let me go a little bit farther we, Sherry and I was out of town this past weekend to go help I know y'all know this to help another military child move it does not pay well I'm going to tell you right now so when we stay, when we stay, we had to, we had to, we were between two towns, Oklahoma City and Lawton. We, we spent the night at a, a little town outside of uh, Lawton where we would meet Austin the next day. And we stayed at the Best Western. So when you go in the Best, I go in, it's a new facility. I go in, the whole place is decorated full Halloween. You know, not in my room, thankfully, or I wouldn't have taken it. But I'm, I'm confronted by a witch. I'm confronted by skeletons. I'm confronted by all of these things. And in my mind, you say, I, I, I'll get to what I, what I think about that in just a little while. I know it's an inanimate object. I know I understand that. I understand that. I understand every argument that comes to your mind. But I also know the, the, the power of the enemy. I do know that. So, but, but then even when I came home, and I didn't say anything. When I came home on Thursday, Sherry and I went uh, to see a precious lady that's become a part of our church uh, who's, who's going through, she's in, in stage four cancer, and she's been given a short period of time to live, and she's, she's no longer able to stay at home. She's at the nursing home. She's on hospice. I mean, it's, it's really a very difficult situation. And so Sherry and I go there Thursday afternoon to see her because I'm just watching that situation. I just want to be there to help her, to pass into eternity with, with love and fellowship of faith around her. But the people have come in and decorated the whole place in Halloween. And I walk into her room and there's a ghost above her, her window. And, and just in my heart of my heart, so I'm just thinking in my mind, have we, allowed, have we allowed what some believe to be innocent? Are we becoming uh, desensitized to it? And at the same time, the adversary is always trying to get a stronghold in your life. Now remember, my intent, I'm going to say this five times, ten times today, because as a father, as a father, my intent is not to shame anybody, not to criticize a single person, it's to warn people. It's to warn about, I don't know if we know who we're dealing with here. I don't know if we're fully aware. I will say this, be cautious because I don't believe you'll find anybody with apostolic anointing that's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit who participates in the deeper levels of Halloween. I know there are degrees, and most people stay on the surface level. I know that. I tried to argue with myself on paper so that you would understand that. That I recognize that. that. For most people, it's just dress up and candy. 
right? I understand that. Totally get that. Of course, I also want to remind you today, the drug culture will addict you with candy laced with meth. So candy's not always the answer, is it? So don't think for a moment, though, that your, that your adversary, the devil, really cares. He doesn't care about your, oh, I'm going to be offended or not. He doesn't care. All he's searching for is an opening to seduce, to deceive, and to lead astray. That's what he's searching for. And especially this generation is so ready to reject Christianity and so quick to open themselves up to the occult. Did you know that the mayor of Salem, Massachusetts, has put word out today, don't even try to come? Because there's so many people already there. So many hundreds of thousands of people to visit this small town during the latter the two weeks leading up to Halloween where there will be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of witches and warlocks. Let me tell you, it's not just a fairy tale. It's, it's, there are people that have given themselves over to sadon, sat, satanic spirits, demonic spirits. And we have to be aware. I could post images of things that are being done in darkness and I won't. And how readily accessible occultic practice is to your children from Harry Potter's Book of Spells to Disney's New Little Demon. Or what about Hocus Pocus 2? You could go on and on. I understand that. But that's not my conviction today because that, that list, would, would, I wouldn't be able to exhaust it here today. Right? But So what I'm going to do for you is I prepare to just bring this to a close in a moment. I want to share with you, Pastor Brown, then, okay, I recognize you're my pastor. I recognize you're not shaming me. You're not judging me. You're still loving me. I'm doing my, that's, I, I recognize all of it. Pastor Brown, what drives your conviction? What drives your conviction? That's what I want to show you today. I want to share with you as I get ready to close this out. I want to put you in the context of what's the driving point in my heart. First, I'm going to take you to ancient Israel in Deuteronomy chapter number 18. It's going to be on the screen. I'm going to read it here, just right here in front of me. Deuteronomy chapter number 18. And I'll share with you just a little bit, if I can, for a moment. And I'll make the analogy. Listen, if I I get in trouble sometimes, it's because I rationalize things too much. And you have to be very careful. And I know there's a rationale. It says, listen, when you are coming to the land, Moses is giving the children of Israel exhortation. And, 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 about, and remember, this is just him saying, Moses is not going to be able to go with them any longer. And as a matter of fact, later in this text, he speaks about a prophet that God's going to raise up. Because Moses is not allowed to go into the land. But he's telling them what's going to happen. He said, when you come into the land, he said, you can't learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. You know I've talked about that in the past. Or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a neo, ne- ne- how, say it with me? necromancer. I don't use that word every day, you can tell. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God shall drive them out from before thee. Now, I'm not saying that with your child dressed up, going to ask for candy from your neighbor, is putting them in the exact same context as that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying this is what drives my conviction, is that God was warning the children of Israel that the culture around them was going to practice things that were destructive to them, and they didn't even know it. They were given place to fallen angels and fallen spirits because they were unaware of what had happened in days gone by when Satan was cast out of heaven to the earth in which we live in today. But he's saying to the children of Israel, he's saying to the children of Israel, he said, but I'm going to expect you, my people, to be different. 
And I think that's the point that I want to bear down for just a moment. I'll just pause right there with, the, with, with, that, with that reading. It's just real quickly. There comes moments in your life, as challenging as it may be, and as sometimes as difficult as it can be culturally and as a family, you have to make up your mind. You're going to live different. Even when other people don't understand but when you say, God, there's something I'm in pursuit of. I'm after your anointing. I want your presence. I want to be aware of the cultic powers. If the enemy can gain an access to my life by the things that I participate in, then, God, if people call me different, then let them call me different, God, because I want an anointing on my life. Because when I get ready to pull down strongholds and bind the devil in Jesus' name, I don't want the devil to be able to raise up and say, but you gave me access into your house, into your family. I want to lift up my voice and say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I drive you out by the anointing of God that's upon my life. That's what I want. And that's what I want for you. But if you're not willing to be different, then you won't have that type of anointing. You won't have that conviction in Jesus' name. You'll be like the seven sons of Sceva, where I'm going to get to in a moment that says, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, and I might even know that radical Pastor Brown, but I don't really know you because you've been giving me place all these years. Hmm. Got to guard ourselves, church family. I want to take you back to this text real quickly of Ephesians 4 and 27. Neither give place to the devil. Right? Remember that one? So now, now remember, I know, say, Pastor Brown, that was Paul, or that was Moses talking to ancient Israel. They were going to a culture. What was he talking about? The Canaanite religions were occultic. They were occultic. And so God is warning Israel that they will lead you astray. Through those occultic practices, demonic powers to get access to your life who will still kill and to destroy. And they didn't know what we know. God gave them limited revelation. But when Jesus came, Come on now, the moment he comes up on the scene, what happens? I mean, immediately all demons and devils get agitated because the anointed one is here. His first conflict is in Capernaum. And he'd been in that, listen, people have been, have been taught the law in that synagogue in Capernaum for years and nothing had happened. But the moment he walked in, demons start crying out and saying, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. You've come to torment me before the time. So Jesus unveiled things to us that were even limited from that, that generation that Moses spoke to. But he did warn them, and he said, you know what? you got to determine to live different. It's hard to live different. It's hard to be different. You'll get made fun of, ridiculed, even your family. You're running around with that crazy cultic people down there at First Assembly. They probably pass out snakes when you're not around. I know we've been through all of that. But I tell you what, you can call me whatever you want to as long as he calls me anointed. That's all I'm looking for. I want the anointing of God. Then I won't give in to the seduction of the adversary. That's what I'm looking for. So, but real quickly, so remember what Moses told Israel. See if Paul, remember what Paul said in Ephesians 4 and 27, neither give place to the devil. Let's back up 10 verses to this, uh, the, the 17th verse and look at that for just a moment. Ephesians 4 and 17. In that particular passage, I may have to find it real quickly. I may have not gave them that one. I'm going to read it to you because I've read it. It's one of my favorite. If your Bible is open, you've got to read it. Look at it real quickly. Ephesians 4 and 17 and 18. It says, This I say, therefore, and I testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. 
I'm telling you, God will get right in the middle of your business and he'll call you out. You say, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm used to this as the people I hang out with, as people I run with, or we think of. No, God said, I'm going to call you out. He said, you can't be like other Gentiles. What does that mean? That means even people you care about, people, friends, family, relationships, all that. But when you get a conviction in your heart that the Spirit of God is working in your life, you've got to be willing to say, I'm not going to live as the other Gentiles live who live in the vanity of their mind. Look at verse number 18. Let's go a little bit farther. Because their understanding is darkened, from, alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them. But God's illuminated your eyes. And that's why I said, as your pastor and as your spiritual father, I'll say this. I don't say this to shame anyone but God forbid that I don't stand in this pulpit and tell you what I know. We've got to be more guarded than we've become because the enemy's amped up. He's amped his game up, and I'm afraid that we haven't amped ours up. Let's go a little bit farther, and I'm going to close. I know you said, Pastor Brown, you know I don't believe that. No, I'm telling you the truth. Acts 19, let's look. I only have one other passage after this one. Acts 19. In Acts chapter 19, listen to this real quickly. Paul is at Ephesus. And why is that? Remember, he writes to Ephesus. He writes to the church at Ephesus later. And he says, neither give place to the devil. But what happened when he was at Ephesus? When he was at Ephesus, there was a revival because the power of God was present. But the people of Ephesus were idolatrous, and they worshipped the, Greek, the Grecian goddess called Diana. You've got to read it on your own. It's a powerful passage of Scripture. And, and, but during the time Paul was there for two and a half years, he disputed with the Jews in the synagogue. He laid hands on disciples who were filled with the Holy Spirit. He preached to Jews and Greeks, all who would hear. The Bible said special miracles took place. They took handkerchiefs off of Paul's body. You believe that? I believe that's possible. Laid them on people that were diseased, and they were healed by the power of God. Now listen, read these next verses, three verses real quickly. But when, when God began to move, look what happened. Many came and confessed and showed their deeds. We're talking about giving place to the devil. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it was 50,000 pieces of silver. Verse number 20. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. I'm telling you, God will draw things out of your life. He will do, I'm going to give you an example of this. Go back to the 19th verse. When I saw that, I was reminded. And I got one page of notes left and I'm finished here today. Curious thoughts. I remember when I had this moment in my life when God was stretching me as a young man. When I was growing and where I'd received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the call of ministry was becoming more evident and I was being challenged. And I've told a little bit of this before and I'm going to tell you all the details of it. But I was in the Air Force. Sherry and I had moved to Alexandria, Louisiana. We were a part of the, of the Southgate Assembly of God and we were also occasionally attending an apostolic church every now and then. Uh, the uh, uh, Apostolics of, uh, of Alexandria. And so we're just in an environment, a spirit-filled environment, and God is doing things in your life. And, and, and yet it, sometimes it causes you not to look at other people, but, but to look at yourself. To say, God, what do you want in me? And at that time, a young man, I've told this years ago, I'll tell it one more time today. I, 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 was, I, I, I uh, read comic books growing up. And the, the enemy's taking over everything in that, in that vein. Now we've got transgender uh, comic book heroes or whatever, and you've got uh, all kinds of darkness that comes. In those days, I was a fan of Conan the Barbarian. That's a good, that's a long time ago, Chris. 
Now, Conan the Barbarian looked like I wanted to look like. His hair was flowing freely. He was all buff and muscle, and he had his sword and all that. And I could say, well, well man, that's like David. Yeah, it's kind of like David. David or Samson, maybe. But see, he wasn't, listen, Conan wasn't worshiping Yahweh. Conan wasn't keeping himself distant from women. What Conan was doing, he was a fornicator, and he was an idolater. And I had, I had the savage sword of Conan Number one, 1974, through 30, that my mom had helped me buy, that I found in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette classifieds, and drove me to Little Rock, and my money that I had saved, I had saved silver coins, and I sold those silver coins to buy my Savage Sword of Conan, uh, issues one through 30. And I had them. No, I don't still have them. I'll tell you that. And we'll get there. But God was working in my life. And I'm 18 to 19 years of age. And I've now been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I've got an anointing on my life. And God is growing me. This is why I'm not shaming anyone. I was growing and devouring the Word and reading the Word while I had 30 issues plus. That, no, that was just 1 through 30. I had a lot more than that. And the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, one day, I just realized that I can't have the anointing that I want on my life and have my head buried in following the fictional account of this idolater fornicator who does at times practice the occult. And I, I didn't have the capacity to burn because I was living in an apartment complex. And that would get you back in that orange suit real quickly. But I did have a dumpster in the apartment complex. And I can still remember taking all of those in a brown paper bag and walking down my steps, second story in the apartments, across the parking lot and throwing them away to get rid of that access point in my life. I'm challenging our church family. I'm not trying to manipulate you in any capacity, but I am trying to warn you. In Jesus' name, be guarded. It's 1143. I'm going to be close with this last text. So again, Paul, what does he say to the Corinthians later? This is going to allow me to conclude. I think it's important. 1 Corinthians 10. It's not easy. God never said it would be easy. Hello? First Corinthians 10. Now in this the, the chapter, just for a moment, this is where once again Paul looks back to ancient Israel. Ancient Israel is your example. This is where you learn, it's where you glean. This is where we glean from. So he, he said, as he as he begins to reflect on some things, I want you to read this with me real quick, carefully, real quickly, because this is was part of the conviction that was in my heart. What shall I say then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to the idol is anything? Okay? In essence, he's saying the idol is not really anything. It's just an inanimate object. Here's the, the, the quick response. The food, the candy, the, all that, it's not anything, right? It's just, I mean, it, it's not, even God created the food. I don't know if he created Snickers bars. 
<laughs> That's funny right there. I don't care where you're from. The costume or the candy. I know, I know. That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying that the idol, look at this, verse 19. Is the idol anything or that which is offered in sacrifice to the idol? Is that anything? He said, but, but he said, but you go to the root, though. The things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. That's what drives my personal conviction. That's why I said no to haunted houses and things of that nature when my children were at home and somebody invited them. Or when, even beyond that, the tool of the medium. I can remember years ago, the basketball team was, I was kind of like JoJo, had the basketball team over at our house all the time. And one of them, my sons, came in there because they were all going to go to watch Hangover. And he came in and he was trying to be diplomatic. He's like, Dad, I want to talk to you about something. And he was very respectful. And he said, Dad, they're going to go. And he said, and he's 18 years old. He wants to go watch that movie. And I looked at him with compassion and love. And I said, Anthony, there's no way under God's son that as long as I'm responsible for you, and making decisions on your behalf, am I going to allow you to get in your vehicle and go to that movie? And I respect your friends. I love them. I just fed them all weekend. And I'll do it again next week. But there's no way that I can allow you to do that. It is so far from my conviction. So trust me, I know the challenges that go with being mom and dad and making decisions. I didn't come to shame anybody. I came to as a father today. Are you hearing me today? To warn. That's all. To warn. I hope that you haven't discerned my sermon as being critical or judging. I believe we all have to grow. If you participate or walk around, I wrote this in, in dark clothing, and then I said, I don't, maybe I shouldn't have included that. <laughs> Oops, slightly wipe that out real quick. I forget. My objective is to warn you of the depths of Satan. Here's my greatest fear. The culture knows no boundaries. That's probably the heart of it. The culture doesn't know. Forty years ago, the church did things. Fifty years ago, because the culture respected certain boundaries. The culture doesn't respect those boundaries today. <laughs> Just like there are gateway drugs, there are gateways into demonic activity. You say, Pastor Brown, if my children participate or if I participate, are you saying I'm becoming an idolater? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. But I am going to say this. Your children can receive a spirit of fear. Your children can then begin to have nightmares. Your because there's some knuckleheads that dress up. That are, that, 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 they're not in, you know, uh, little costumes of cows and pigs. Are you hearing me today? They're demonic and contoured and all kinds of wickedness there. But let me tell you also what can happen is we, have a, we, can, we can expose ourselves to a tendency towards darkness and even occultic practice. That's my concern. They can begin to become fascinated with occultic things. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Your intent may be totally innocent, but the enemy's intent is not. 
So Aaron's joined me on the platform. Paul's words echo in my heart today. Neither give place to the devil. I believe they're as relevant in our culture as when he wrote it 2,000 years ago to the church that was in the ancient Grecian city of Ephesus who worshipped many idols. And Paul warned them, be cautious, be cautious. My challenge and my encouragement for you is, do you have the anointing? I hope you do. If not, strive to get in his presence. He'll anoint your head with oil. He'll give you an unction. That's what you need in our generation. It will keep you from the hour of darkness. I was right, and I speak to you not to shame you, Paul said. But as my beloved church family, I warn you. It's a pastor's warning. I hope you've received it by faith today. So, Pastor, what, would I, what am I supposed to say to my children? Honestly, I can't tell you everything. It's your family. You have to work this out yourself. Are you hearing me today? In the words I say to my sons, you're grown. You have to do what you feel like you should do. But I do believe that you should be honest with your children and share your convictions and concerns. Your children need to know that there's an enemy out there who wants in here to seduce us and deceive us and to get strongholds in our lives. You have to tell your children that sometimes God expects you to be different. That's just the reality of it. You have to be creative at home if you need to. If you must, I'll say this, there's harvest festivals. I can't tell you how you bridge certain gaps in your family. I, I kind of concluded. I was kind of trying to say, well, my gosh, Pastor Brown, what are you going to tell these people? I, I can't tell you. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you other than this. I believe we need an anointing on our life. I need to be more guarded in our generation than what we've become. I want you to be aware that the enemy will use the tool or the means of the media or mediums to get access to your life, right? And sometimes it results in us having to make harsh and hard decisions as parents that says, God, I may have to walk differently than what I expected that I was going to do, but I feel the Spirit of God pulling me that direction. It's kind of the heart of it, church family. God will give you wisdom. And I can promise you this, I'm not judging anybody. I don't, I'm not dealing with any of those things myself personally. My children are long grown and gone. Yeah, thank you so much. I feel Jesus. Hallelujah. Shut that So listen, Pastor Brown, did you really take the cultic practices of the Canaanite religion and then the idolatrous practices of the Ephesians? And somehow funnel that into my innocent uh, intent of participating in Halloween. I hate to say it. I kind of connected the dots there a little bit for you. I did so because I believe the enemy uses the mediums. He looks for access points. That wasn't, that's not really as much of an access point anymore to bow before the Greek god Diana. Nobody even knows who Diana is in our culture today. The Grecian god. Nobody knows that, but we know about how other things and means that the enemy can use in our generation. So be guarded. Be guarded. That's my word to you today. In the name of Jesus, our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We're praying today. It's 10 minutes till noon. God, I pray over my church family, and I don't even know how to close this off today. These are messages that are challenging. I understand that. Understand. 
I write to you, Paul said, not to shame you. But as my own family, he said, I warned you. I didn't come along, church family, to make you feel belittled for your choice of participation in what's been called a holiday or holy day, which it's not. not, I didn't come to shame you for any level of that. My heart is as pure as if you were my own flesh and blood and my sons and daughters. I warn you, the depths of the enemy, be careful. Your enemy as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Paul said, lest Satan get an advantage over us. I don't want him to get an advantage over you. I don't want him to get a stronghold in your life. I don't want your children to begin to be fearful at night. Stories and, and, and nightmares and that can lead to other things. Occultic images, occultic practices. Be guarded, be guarded, be guarded in the name of Jesus. Be guarded. Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of God, we need you today. God, you said we have an unction from the Holy One. Father, you said that you would give us convictions of the Holy Spirit. I pray over my church family. Give them convictions, God. Let them know what they should and should not do. Let them know what they should and shouldn't participate in, God. Let them be more guarded than they maybe have ever been in the past. But, Father, because they're responsible, the parents were responsible for these little ones that you've given us, Lord Jesus. You said it would be better that a millstone would be put about our neck and we cast into the sea than it would be if we offended one of these little ones. God forbid, Father, in the name of Jesus, that, that we don't draw and press close to you so we can hear your heartbeat to know your will and know your convictions. Lord, let the people under the sound of my voice grow. Let them grow. God, I'm not saying anything to shame them, but take them from being little children. Take them to being young men and young ladies in the Lord who are strong in the Word and are fighting and resisting the enemy. And then take us deeper to be fathers and mothers in the Lord. In the name of Jesus and communion and fellowship with you. So that we won't... Father God, as Paul said, we won't give place to the devil. Is anybody praying with me today? I feel the anointing to pray. I feel the anointing to pray. I know that as, we, as our heads are bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment, not why am I doing that? Not to shame anybody. But I will say this. Any person that was a part of the occult, any person, you do your research, any person that was a part of the occult that's been called out and saved, and delivered will always say that they wonder why or how we as Christians continue to participate because they've seen the darkness at a level that we haven't seen. They know what we don't know. So God, stretch my church family. Give them the strength that they need for those that, Father God, that have been wrestling with some things and have kind of wanted to do some things or even wanted to say some things, God. I pray, Lord, to their family, their children, God, give them the convictions that they need. God, let us be strong enough to withstand criticism. Let us be, uh, Father, strong enough that even when people that we care about do not understand why we're walking the way we're walking or where, but they don't understand that we're, we're striving, God, in the Spirit, God, to give the enemy no place in our life. 
And yet all the while that we do so, we don't do so with a condescending, judgmental spirit to other people, God. For that too would give the enemy place. And we don't want that as well. We just want to submit to God, draw near to you, and you draw near to us, and then we resist the enemy, and he flees from us. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. This is how I'm going to close. I feel the Lord drop this in my spirit. If you're here today and say, Pastor, right where I am, pray for me on these issues. Just pray for me, Pastor. That's all I'm asking. Say, Pastor, I've wrestled. I've wrestled with some things. I just don't quite know. Your message has helped me. I'm still trying to process some things. I'm just being honest. I'm a parent, and I just, I, I'm, I'm just looking for what's right. Pastor Brown, pray for me today. Quickly slip your hand up. I don't call you out. I see some hands going up. Anyone else today got the courage? Some hands are going up. There are more hands that need to go up. I'll be honest today. You're afraid to. We're afraid to. We've allowed the culture to back us up. Put us in a box. Create for us our convictions. Anyone else? Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm dealing with teenagers. These subjects are very tough, very difficult. That I'll have the right thing to say. That I can talk to my child about these things. Anybody else? Raise your hand up today. Anyone? Anyone else today? Thank you. Thank you. I knew, and I'm not just fishing. I know because my spirit is still stirred. I know when, when, the, when my spirit is no longer stirred, I'll walk off this platform and I'll greet you at the back of the church and love you and send you out of here in the name of Jesus. But I feel the anointing of God. And I want to stay with that moment right now. God, open our eyes. Isn't that what the scripture says? Lord, open our eyes. Let us see. Let us stand up today and we're going to close in prayer. Father, hands went up throughout our church family. Not a mass, not a third of our body. A number of our church family was honest enough to slip a hand up and say, Pastor, I'm just wrestling with those things. Church family, would you pray with me today? Would you at least pray, even if you disagree with the principles that I shared or the convictions that I personally hold, would you at least be willing to pray and say, God, God, let me just seek you deeper. Ask these questions. Not just arbitrarily go this way because I've always done so. Come on now, let's pray. Father, I love you and I bless the people of God. I bless them today with all the faith that's inside of me. I bless them, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God. Give them discernment, Lord. Come on, somebody. Give us discerning of spirits, God. Help us to know. Help us to see, God. God, let us have a conviction that's born of you. I feel in my spirit there are some of you who are saying, Pastor, you're just really challenging me, and you're pulling me. Well, that's why you came to this church. That's why you left the other church that kept you in the shallow end of the pool. You came to this church because we would get on this platform, and we would challenge you to go deeper into God, go deeper in His Word, in Jesus' name. Then let us do so. Let this Word pierce your spirit. Pray over it. Ask the Lord. Seek Him. Wrestle these things out. I had to. I had to for my own life when I was 19. And then I had to do it over and over and over again as a parent. From when my children were just adolescents to when they were teenagers. I had to wrestle it out over and over again. And I can guarantee you this. Sometimes we got it right. Sometimes we missed we didn't just miss the bullseye, we missed the whole board. And I'd have to go and repent before God and ask Him 
to forgive me. Because I don't want to give place to the enemy. To steal and kill and destroy the very thing God has entrusted for me to protect. So God, I bless the people. Every person that raised their hand, I speak favor and wisdom over them today, God. And every person that didn't raise their hand, but I know, I know that this message has struck a chord at some level within them. Work in them. Work in them. Work in them. By your Holy Spirit. In their journey with you, God. I do pray, God, give us a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind so that we can cast down a spirit of fear in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Now, there's our closing prayer. I can't let you out of here. Father, we bless tonight. We bless Brother Rose as he travels. Keep him safe. We bless JoJo and the youth of First Assembly and their, their vision of, heart, of, of hosting camp nights. Lord, we're going to pray you're going to pour your spirit out amongst the young adults. Father, and, and we believe these have become a, a powerful soul-winning tool. And as Joe already said, whether it be one or six or 16, it matters not, God. We just pray, Father, the spirit of God to reach these young adults, Lord, in Jesus' name. That's our prayer today, God. Bless them. Bless that meeting. Lord, I love you. It's been my privilege to share the word of God with this church family. And I bless them today in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. Listen, by clapping, you're saying I received something today. Listen, love somebody. Let me remind you as you go out the door, though.